Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Tragically hip tickets. Of course, uh, August 16th right here in Hamilton. And uh, rumors of other shows coming, perhaps, we don't know. But the biggest story here over and above the illness of Gord Downey is the fact it is impossible to get tickets. And, uh, you know, I, I guess there should be no surprise here. I don't think there's anything happening different here than does on every other major show or every show that is a huge draw. And that is resale. It's just this one seems to strike a chord simply because of the fabric of this show and what it's about. It's a farewell tour, but it's not like a a Who farewell tour. Uh, This has a lot more finality to it. Uh, Therefore, uh, people are looking at it differently, but it it appears doesn't change the reality of what the concert business is all about today. To talk more about all of this, Alan Cross is with us, music journalist, internationally known broadcaster, interviewer, writer, consultant, blogger, and speaker. He is with us now. Good afternoon, Alan. How are you doing today? Boy, people are mad about this one. Holy I'm, I, You know, I was just thinking that. You must be taking tons of calls on this topic. Well, I am. And a lot of people are sending me emails and tweets and everything else about the whole thing. And it's, uh, again, you're right, it's the fabric of this particular concert. Uh, a bunch of us were talking a little while ago, trying to figure out if there was ever a tour with similar circumstances where you have a very well-known band, a very well-regarded band with a huge fan base who has decided to go on tour one last time Well being very public that one of their members is dying. Yeah. And uh, I, we couldn't think of another case. No. So this one is going to be the most emotional tour in the history of Canadian music, maybe one of the most emotional tours in the history of music, period, because of the finality of it all. It, you know, it's one thing to have a big Grateful Dead finale in Chicago, but it's another thing to know that the last time Gord Downey leaves the stage for the, on the last show will be the last time anyone sees him perform. I mean, because he's going to be dying. Hmm. Uh, um, have we so heard any? Have we heard anything from the band or management on the whole ticket issue? Have they commented on this at all? No, no, no. I've, I've got a call into them. Uh, How come? How come you think they're so silent? Well, I, you know, there's not much that they can say. There's, you know, you just gotta ride this one out. Uh, it's they have nothing to do with the controversy. Once yeah. you sign a deal with a promoter, it's out of your hands, and it's it's all up to Ticketmaster and whatever happens. When the tickets leave, Ticketmaster is is you know, is, is, is the yeah you know anybody's guess. Do you think they're pissed that it's turned to this? That you know, I mean, obviously, what they were what they've decided to do is a great gesture to the fans, and then all of a sudden it's turned into this mess, and we're talking more about this than we are, and we are anything else about it. Do you think? How do you think they're feeling about this? I I, I think that they're absolutely livid. Um, this is not how they want to see their fans treated. This is not how they want to be exploited. Um, this is all hearsay because I, I'm just assuming that this is what they're thinking. Because nobody would want to see this happen to their fans in what's supposed to be a very special tour. An opportunity to say thank you, an opportunity to say goodbye, uh, an opportunity to celebrate with the band one last time. You, you don't want these tickets going to people who just want to buy you don't want to go because they've got the cash to be able to do it. They want these these tickets to go to, to, to hardcore fans. People have supported them over 30 years. We've certainly heard the role that technology plays in this and, and, and how it opens the door for this sort of thing to happen. Is there any way we can, 
you know, go back to the old days of even physically going, make, making people go to a box office to pick them up. I mean, I guess then there's nothing to stop people from taking those tickets and putting them online and, and reselling them as well. But, uh, you know, obviously with these bots and stuff, I mean, nobody even has a chance. Uh, is it out of the realm to think, you know, we just remove technology from this? I don't know if we can. Um, um, too late. There's, it, it doesn't, we've been fighting scalpers for decades. Yeah. And they always seem to find a way around any safeguards that are put in place. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I was, when I was still standing in line to buy tickets, because that was the only way to do it, uh, there was a well-known scalper in, in my town who would hire homeless people to stand in line for them. Mm. And he would give them the amount of money that they would require to buy the minimum or maximum number of tickets. And once they delivered him the tickets, they he gave him 25 bucks or whatever it was. And, you know, he might have, you know, 100 or 150 tickets by the time it was all said and done, which he would then scalp. So that's the old-fashioned way. And that's how, how it was, was uh, circumvented. Uh, with today, the technology is supposed to make it a lot easier, or at least a lot more secure when it comes for, uh, to Sam's buying tickets. But I'll tell you, there was, there was a, a woman I was talking to. She had in her cart on Ticketmaster, two tickets to the Kingston show, the very last show scheduled for this tour. And these two tickets were on the floor in a venue that held only that holds only 6,000 people. So you can just imagine what, hmm. what the event's going to be like. As she was about to press and click on buy, her computer was suddenly redirected to a screen which was filled with nothing but Chinese characters. Hmm. And then she went back to her cart and of course, the tickets were gone, and she ended up with nothing. Yeah. Uh, the attorney general has weighed in on this in Ontario. Anything? Anything can be done on that level. I I don't know. I mean, uh, I heard uh, Madeline Mayer's uh, conference uh, answers to some scrum questions the other day, and she didn't really have any answers. I don't know what you can do. Here's the problem: is because uh, the, the issue is not with companies like StubHub or Tickets Now or Box Office or anything like that. Those people do not own the tickets. They are simply agents for the people who operate the box and get the tickets, and, and they sell them for them. And uh, we have to be very careful about selective outrage, because if you go on Tickets Now, for example, or if you go on uh, StubHub right now, you'll find thousands of tickets available for the Drake show, and nobody's complaining about that. But the reason people are complaining about this one, again, is because of the circumstances surrounding But, Alan, I think a lot of people have just resigned themselves to the fact that's the way it is now. That's the way, I mean, like I said in, in the preamble, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Nobody cares. I mean, it's just the way it is nowadays. If you want tickets, it's supply and demand, as simple as that. However, obviously, with this show, with it having, uh, you know, uh, the sentiment around it that it does, obviously, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a show that, that strikes the heartstrings. That being said, is that going to draw attention to this larger issue, like you said, that happens with all shows, and say, you know what, it's time to do something here. I don't know if there's anything that can be done. Again, this is, like you say, supply and demand. It is cold-blooded, naked capitalism. Yeah. It's no different than... It's no Uber's. different than Uber price surge. Yeah. That's what I said on my commentary today. It's no different. Or, or, or airlines who yep. uh, change the prices on their tickets depending on the demand for a particular seat on a particular flight on a particular day. Uh, it's it's if you take the words uh, concert ticket and substitute the words company share, but what you've got is a stock market. Yeah, yeah. You know, prices go up when demand is high. Prices go down when demand is low. 
And, you know, the system that has been set up with these secondary retailers, it's working exactly the way it was designed to work. And, but every once in a while, we, we, we were reminded that because of this system, going to a concert is, A, a real hassle, B, really expensive, and C, quickly becoming something for the elites. Yeah. Because how many people can afford $1,200 a ticket to go to a concert? With technology and more emphasis on the live show and, and tours and such, this is only going to increase, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, uh, concert tickets are the new currency of the music industry. It yeah. used to be records and CDs, because that's where you made all your money. And you put out a record or, su- or CD and then went on tour to promote that release. Now it's the other way around. You uh, go on tour, and you know you have a CD which gives you an excuse, an excuse to go on tour. Right. All your money is being made from the live performances and not from the new release. So uh, artists are looking to maximize the amount of money that they get from playing live. Promoters are looking to maximize the amount of money that they can make from these shows. And scalpers know that there's huge demand for these things because you cannot download a live experience and you got to be there in real time and in, in flesh. And in flesh. So it, it becomes very, very difficult to, 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 again, curtail all this because so many different forces are in play. Uh, CBC talking uh, about broadcasting this. What about even a pay-per-view? I don't think it would be in anybody's best interest for a pay-per-view because at that point, you it looks like a, a cash grab. Yeah. But uh, if you've... Uh, what about a cash grab for charity? Well, why not just have the CDC do it? Yeah. And they're, they're in talks, apparently. I, I would be very surprised that there haven't been talks about uh, all kinds of ancillary events and items and, to go along with the show. I mean, right. it's, it, for this tour, I mean, it, it's just too big and too important not to document properly. And outside of uh, Canada-USA gold medal hockey final, I can't imagine an event that would have more eyeballs on it than the last ever Tragically Hip hip show coming Mm -hmm. from their hometown of Kingston. And think about that. As you said, there's so many layers to this, whether it's a documentary or even doing events in every major city for the last one. I mean, there's so many many different layers of this you could could go at it from. Yeah. And, And I know that management is very, very busy with many, many things, and I'm sure that we'll hear more of what's going on. But, uh, you know, again, it's everything's so sensitive. So, and Alan, what do you think this tour is going to be like? Uh, you know, I've, I've seen the hip several times. Most Canadians of, of our generation have. Uh, and we know what the live event is like. I mean, that's what this band is all about. How do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be different? I mean, even from a musician standpoint, standing on the stage and looking out into the crowd, they're going to see something different than they normally do. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, we're going to parse these shows right down to the molecular level uh, (laughs) for how the fans behave, how the band behaves. We'll be looking at the set list. We'll be looking at Gord every single second, wondering if he's okay, wondering how long we've got with him, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, when you look at the, you'll look at your fellow concert goer you know what are they thinking how many times have they seen the band how are they feeling about this whole thing how much did they spend on their ticket mm-hmm. uh you know it, it's <laughs> going to be a, a fascinating 
series of shows. And again, I'm, I'm confident that someone or a bunch of people are going to be documenting this very carefully because this is a story that we've never seen before and we may never see again. So let's make sure that we record it as it happens. Can we or even the band pretend this is another show, another tour? Will it be what the band wants it to be? Will the fans be what they want it to be? Or is it one of those things that, who knows? I, I, you know, it is a who knows situation. If I'm in the band, I mean, the emotion that's attached to this is, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, and then once the dynamic of these audiences start to affect what the band is thinking and seeing and feeling, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, that there are parts of me that really, really want to go see some of these shows. And then there are other parts of me that don't want to go whatsoever because I don't want this to be... You know what, Alan? I the thought end. the same thing. When, when, this, when the news first broke of Gore Downey's illness... Uh, and every and then there was the rumor that the next day there was going to be a, the dates announced and so on and so forth. You know, I, I've seen them in other scenarios. That's the way I want to remember them. I'm not sure I want to see that. Now, of course, you do, but there's part of you that's very apprehensive about the whole thing. I'm sure the performances are going to be fine. They wouldn't stage all these shows in front of all these people without... Uh, uh, yep. some sort of assurance that things are going to be okay and that they're going to be, be able to... I'm sure the band it. will be just as great as it always was. It's just the buzz in the air will be different. Oh, it'll be tremendously different. Yeah. And, you know, there will be... You can just imagine how people are going to dress. You know, the signs that we're going to see in the audience. Oh, yeah. The reaction to various songs. It's, it's going to be extremely intense. Uh, the I can see these. Sh- I can see these shows changing almost every night. Like well, every night, it's a different one in some way. Well, it's going to be because of the emotion that's going to be invested from the band and from the audience. It's going to meet somewhere in the middle, and you know, theoretically, this should create some absolute utter magic. Yeah. We'll see. And you see, and it'll be interesting to see how they progress or how they change or how the feeling or attitude changes as they go from first show to the last. Yeah, I think... It's, it's like, you, talk, you were talking about documenting them. It's, it's as if you want to document every single one of them. Yeah, I know. Um, I think the first couple of shows will be fairly tentative. Then they'll, like with any tour, a band will get into a rhythm. Yeah. And then as they pass the halfway part uh, mark, they're going to see the end in sight, and then things will get exponentially more intense after that. One question that hip fans always ask, uh, or sometimes ask, or I'm going to ask, um, why is this such a uniquely Canadian band? Why is this a band that didn't do better in the United States? Okay, to answer your first question, it's because this is a group that had no trouble telling Canadian stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, they told those stories by being a damn good rock band. I mean, I guess that's first. The second thing is, the reason they didn't make it in the United States is because of one factor and one factor only, and that was, was uh, bad luck with record contracts. Hmm. It has nothing to do with them being too Canadian or, or anything like that. They just had some really, really bad luck with record contracts. And that, in an interesting way, I think, and this is my theory, 
made them more popular in Canada because Canadians, by the time they hit that run out their string in the United States with the chances that they had, by that time they were iconic. They were an iconic act in Canada. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew that, okay, they're not going to make it in the United States. Well, screw you, United States of America. We know this band is good. They're our band, and we're going to keep them for ourselves. It's interesting. I remember very vividly the Saturday Night Live episode where they were the musical guest and Dan Aykroyd was the host. And, and I remember it being at Friends' house and we're all sitting around watching it and we were so excited to, to see this our band, this band, up on Saturday Night Live. And then when they opened with Grace 2, it was like you could see everybody's shoulders fall. And, and I remember thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like, I understand it's the single. I, and I get it, and there's the whole record company thing. But, man, you know, we're all thinking, you know, one of these, any one of these great live songs that we all know and love would have just blown people away. I, I, I think so. That was, but that was a decision that was made by somebody. Yeah. And was it, I don't know if it was the right one or the wrong one, because uh, I remember watching that show, too, thinking, okay, this is going to be it. They're finally, finally, finally going to get the attention that they deserve from, from America. And... It never happened. Yeah. How do you think, uh, what do you think people will be talking about after this tour is over? Uh, that's a very good question. I think, though, there'll be a period of reminiscing. And I have, there'll be a, like a, a watch on the band to see what's going on. Um. And then I think there will be a quiet period until any further news comes out. And that's pretty much it. Do you think that's what the news will be? That's it for the band? It's hard to say because of the nature of glioblastoma. Um, when it goes into remission, it can remain in remission for a while. But it always does come back. There's only so much that you can remove using surgery and, and, and chemo. And when it does come back, it has different genetic markers than when you uh, when it was first diagnosed, which makes it more difficult to uh, difficult to treat. So it is coming back. It is incurable and it is terminal. So, uh, but we don't know what the timeline is. It could be six months. It could be a year. It could be two years. It could be four years. We don't know. And this is the nature of uh, of, of the disease. Do you think we'll hear anything more from the band until the tour starts and it'll just be, we'll hear nothing and then all of a sudden, boom, the show's and that's it? That's a really good question. Uh, like I said, I've got a call into them. I I'm, would like to know, you know what they think about this whole thing. They haven't made any statement whatsoever, which puzzles me just a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I kind of understand why they haven't made a statement because there's nothing that they can do. They would only fan the flames. We still have to get through tomorrow, which is when the tickets go on sale to the general public, and we're probably going to see you know more complaints with uh, you know you know cheating bots and and scalpers and StubHub and all that sort of stuff. So maybe once everything is said and done, all the shows are announced, all the shows are sold out. Maybe then it's time to step out and make a statement. Hmm. And you know the only real statement that you could make is. Thank you very much. We really appreciate the support and the love that you've shown us. We will do our best to put on the greatest shows we possibly can in this upcoming tour. We'll see you on stage. I don't know what else can be said. Alan Cross has been with us, music journalist, talking about the farewell tour for the Tragically Hip and, of course, the difficulty finding tickets. Alan, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Anytime.